This event is supported by Methodist Healthcare Ministries of South Texas, Anheuser-Busch, the Texas Municipal League, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Texas, Fibertown, Texas State Technical College, the Texas Association of School Business Officials, the Hackett Center for Mental Health at the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute, and Southwest Airlines, the official airline of Texas Tribune Events. It is hosted by Texas A&M University Corpus Christi. Media support is provided by the Corpus Christi Caller Times. Foundation support is provided by the Hatton W. Sumner's Foundation and the Houston Endowment. So uh, we're in his house. Let me introduce John Sharp. All right, right here, right here. So where's this rebuilding thing? Where's this effort now? Uh, you came in, um, I guess Abbott called you and said, help. Yeah. Right? Right. Wasn't a question. It was help. Uh, before I get started, I want to introduce Kelly Quintanilla, who is our host today, in case you haven't already introduced her. One of the great presidents of any university, the president of A&M Corpus Christi, Kelly Quintanilla. <laughs> Well, to do some history of where it started, I mean, obviously it started with, there are two phases to any kind of disaster. The first phase is rescue, right. and the second phase is recovery, which is what we're in now. Uh, rescue generally was done by Task Force One. Task Force One is our guys and gals. I mean, they're, it's the Texas, they're on Texas A&M campus. That's just a quick response team. Yeah, Texas Engineering Extension Service, the Texas a Forest Service sets up the command post immediately upon the passing of the hurricane that night. And then the Task Force One is generally already there by the time the hurricane goes through completely and they deploy. An interesting thing about them is they just got their score from FEMA and they got a 99 out of 100, which is the highest score ever scored by any disaster rescue team uh, in the United States of America. We just got that yesterday, so we're real proud of those guys. What's, so, FEMA, what's FEMA's score for FEMA? FEMA's score for FEMA? Well, we scores FEMA. <laughs> <laughs> but, we'll but, get to that. But anyway, so, so that's the first phase, and it, obviously right after that starts uh, debris hauling. Uh, right. If you want to get the amount of debris, uh, was estimated to be enough to fill Kyle Field to the lights 77 times, wow. uh, give or take a few times. And so it's just a huge amount of debris, as you can imagine. The different kinds of debris around Aransas County and where the eye hit. Uh, there's a lot of vegetative debris, which is very different from the eastern counties and the southeastern counties, which was uh, homes that were flooded and, and that kind of debris being put out on the street and stuff like that. Right. And so uh, that actually, I mean, I'm sure people wanted it cleaned up in two weeks, but that actually moved faster than, uh, than it ever has before. So, so the debris hauling got. And then you get into a phase uh, to where we go to all of the cities and counties. You, you keep in mind in Texas, the mayors and the judges call the shots. I mean, they're the bosses. We don't do anything right. they don't tell us to do. So in order to keep, keep up with these folks, what has happened in disasters in, in other states is uh, Louisiana, for instance, hired a private firm to hang with the county sheriffs and uh, parish sheriffs and all those folks and, hey, what's your problem? We'll try to solve it. 
And so what we did is we used our extension service, which has offices in 250 of the 254 counties, and certainly in each one of these counties. Mm -hmm. And we took 130 people from the extension service and assigned them to the mayors and the judges. And so if a mayor judge, you know, wants a drink of water, whatever they wanted, they would then call that into the our command center in College Station, and we would call. Governor Abbott, or we would call TCEQ. They're just expediting, expediting everything along the they way. They expedited yeah. stuff, and they're still, uh, they're still doing that to this day. And in, in addition, we deployed about 40 um, TEKS people, Texas Engineering Extension people, the, the Task Force One folks, to some rural counties to help fill out the paperwork. And the reason the paperwork is important is because about four or five years from now, um, the feds are going to come in and audit each one of these counties and each one of these cities and if and how you spent the money and if you didn't spend right. it right then they're going to claw it back out of your budget. And so, so you want to document it as you go? It, so it has to be very documented right. as you go and so a lot of folks had never been through this before uh, they weren't like Houston and didn't have you know a great big disaster team with lots of people to do this kind of stuff and right. so the Teaks folks were assigned into those counties to do it. And then there were another 30 or 40 uh, when Phil Wilson came in and started directing some of the temporary housing. Phil Wilson's from Lower Colorado River Authority, Lower Colorado went River, in to help GLO and help with housing. GLO. And so we have 30 or 40 people assigned to him to monitor individual projects and things like that, along with the 130 uh, folks that, that were there. So that, cleaning up debris, basically trying to solve problems for these folks, advocate uh, in Washington for, for money uh, during that whole period with Governor Abbott, who was obviously the lead for, for that, and uh, along with Senator Cornyn in particular. And then at the same time that started, uh, well, we first, during that time, we asked each one of the mayors, judges, give us your list of spending requests. And then that was the list, we pared it down some, and then that was the list that the governor took to D.C., to right. Cornyn, and to the folks to, to get the money. And then now they're in the process with Sam Brody, who's from A&M Galveston, a recognized expert on flooding, and a whole bunch of, he has lots of people working with him uh, on mitigation, how to change channels, how to, how to prevent flooding from happening, how to move water out faster, uh, revised floodplain maps, all this kind of stuff. And so they're in that process, and the last process will be make a report to the, this next session of the legislature of what went right, what went wrong, what, what, what do we need to, to change in order to make it work better for the next Can session. Can you preview any of that report yet? I mean, do you know some things that went right and some things that went well, wrong? Well, yeah, one of them is going to be, I mean, one of the things that happens, Texas is the best at rescue. Every state will acknowledge there is no state as good as Texas. That's why when Hurricane Sandy hit, the first folks that they activated was Task Force One at A&M, right. sent them up there. Uh, they're still in Puerto Rico, I think, and hmm. you know, they're all over the place. Um, <clears throat> but when it comes to re recovery, no state is very good at it. And I think the reason no state is very good at it is because what you don't have full-time training. Like these TEKS folks, uh, they're probably training somewhere today, uh, whether it's helicopter rescues uh, in, in some water tank somewhere or whatever. They constantly train, A&M Forest Service people constantly train 
but you don't have that training for the response side or for the recovery side. And it, so, it, so isn't that a little weird? Well, it, yeah. I mean, we have disasters all over the country all the time. Yeah. It seems like we, you know, eventually get good at this. Yeah. Well, what happens is, is you got, you got a mayor of Timbuktu. Um, the last mayor went through this, but this mayor didn't go through it. Right. And the, the new judge maybe has never been through that disaster and stuff like that. And so one of the things that we're going to suggest is that we set up a training mechanism, let TDEM through NIMKID or, or through TEKS, because right. TEKS does this other training, set up a training mechanism on boring stuff like how to fill out forms, what to do when you deal with FEMA, what not to do when you deal with federal agencies, all these kinds of things. Uh, how to keep your paperwork straight and stuff like that so that somebody in every city and every county in 254 counties in the state of Texas, whether it's a tornado or a hurricane, knows exactly what to do the day that that hurricane occurs and you don't have to spend a lot of time like I did and so many others did in, in you know, figuring out exactly how to set up so, so that the mechanism is already set up. I think we're probably... Uh, way down the road for the next disaster, whatever it is, because we have those people, we have those extension people, they know what to do, um, you know, and a whole bunch, whole bunch of stuff like that. I think everybody involved in the process, I asked them that because I figured that would be a question you'd ask. Uh, are we ready for the next disaster? I, I think we are way better off for the next one than we are right now because we know exactly how the federal government is going to screw, uh, going to mess you around. <laughs> and <laughs> we, we know what's coming, what, what, what they want us to do, and, and, and what, what their broken promises are going to be and stuff Are you like going to that. make any recommendations about um, how FEMA should handle these things? Or about, I mean, I know it's not kind of within the gambit of what the Texas government does, but... It seems like if you were looking for somebody who really knew how these things worked and really, you know, do this and then this and then this and then this, FEMA would be that agency, right? All the way back to Hurricane whatever. Believe it or not, HUD is much worse than, than FEMA. If you look at the... Housing and urban development. Well, yeah, housing and urban development. So Congress appropriated $91 million last December, right? How much of that, to four disasters, Florida, Texas... California and Puerto Rico. How much of that you think got to any of those four states right now? Zero. And that will be probably from what they tell us four to six months before they get around to writing the rules in order to get that money. FEMA, on the other hand, which I have made these notes just outside knowing that you were going to ask me this question. Uh, FEMA, I hate to be a defender of them, but, but I mean, they've got uh, $8 billion of national flood insurance money already dispersed in Texas, IAP $1.5 billion, public assistance $1 billion, uh, Small Business Administration $3.5 billion. The three that have dispersed no money is HUD, Corps of Engineers, and Economic Development Administration, zero. Uh, even the $5.7 million, you remember about six or seven months ago, maybe more than that, uh, the land commissioner said, you know, we got this $5.7 right. billion. Well, they haven't even accepted uh, land commission rules on that yet. They Weren't we slow them. sending the grant application up? Weren't we slow to do some paperwork on our end on that? 
I'm not sure. I'm, that'll probably be in the report. I mean, right. we're we're going to put all the good, bad, and the ugly in in the in the report and stuff. But a December appropriation and nine months later, maybe you get the money for this. What that tells me is surely they can't be that incompetent. There must be somebody in the federal government that really doesn't want to do this to begin with and hope that everybody just kind of goes away and and appropriate the money. I mean, surely, surely these people can't be that incompetent. I mean, I could write some rules with Billy Hamilton by Monday to accept this money, but this takes nine months to do it. Are your suggested rules going to be in your report, you and Billy Hamilton? Well, we're going to talk about these guys, and yeah. we're certainly going to talk about, you know, the, the problems with the, with the federal government uh, in, in doing this stuff. It's really kind of, it's outrageous, really. What's still undone at the state and local level um, that needs to be done? We're eight or nine, I guess we're nine months from the storm now. I think the whole thing, look, if you, if you, in disasters in Texas, if you want to know how to run them, you talk to Nim Kid every day. There's a guy named Nim Kid that's head of Texas Division of Emergency Management. He knows more about disaster. I wish he was running some agency in the federal government, but he, knows everything there is. And every mayor here and every county judge here will tell you exactly the same thing. One of the smartest things that we did was make sure I called him before breakfast every single morning. <laughs> First <laughs> for, call. For the whole, whole time that we were there. And Billy does the same thing, we, we got him. Where you fall off the truck is if you don't include him. And if there's any criticism of the land office, they probably needed to talk to him. Their staff needed to talk to him a little bit more. But that's, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, you can't have good disaster recovery if he's not involved in it. And in my opinion, he needs to be head of the whole nine yards. I mean, TDM needs to be head of the whole nine yards. They're the ones that have the relationship with the feds. They know how the feds think. They know they have the relationship with all the counties, all the cities. Everybody respects, particularly them. And he's the person that needs to be in charge. Mm -hmm. And he is in charge of, I mean, frankly, working with us, you know, because we involved him in everything. Right. He was in charge of everything that was non-housing that, that we got involved in. Mm -hmm. And literally, anytime you had a debris question, Nim knew exactly what the answer was to get back to the mayor, to get back to the county judge. Here's how you do this and make sure you get reimbursed, stuff like that. So are you out of the... Are you out of this project at the end of the summer or somewhere around there, around the first anniversary of this thing? Or do you I think, think probably not until we give the report to the legislature. So b before the legislative session, mm -hmm. you think your part of this is over. How long is this a public policy issue? If you were still in office, whatever office you were in, how long is Harvey something the state government's tangled up in? I know a lot of people are going to have personal stories well, that go years and years, but for as a public policy problem. Well, I mean, there's still... There is still counties and cities owed money from Ike and Rita and those hurricanes. And so the, the funding part of it, I mean, anytime the feds can come in over a five-year period and audit you, there are questions in public policy and you're going to be involved in it. You know, somebody's going to be involved in it. The state's going to be involved in it one way or the other. Mm -hmm. How long are, I guess, people from those storms, people affected, you know, on the ground in those storms are still waiting for all that to happen, too? Uh, well, the, I mean... You know, the, I, I could lose my house in Ike, and I'm still waiting for final settlement on that? Well, a lot of this money has to do with 
the building of dams. It has to do okay. with stuff like, for instance, Houston, right. I think just got maybe yesterday, I'm not sure when they were notified, but they, if they haven't, they will be soon, of a $27 million uh, buyout money and stuff like that for, right. for certain parts of Houston and Harris County. And, uh, but, but, but the 91 million, and you, and you think we're in bad shape. Let me give you these figures. So on the, on the ground, we have distributed somewhere between 700 and a billion dollars in Texas. Florida has distributed 29 million. Wow. So they, right. you know, and Puerto Rico's worse than, worse right. than they are. And California is sort of a different breed of cat. And they're That's well, the wildfires, well right? loved by the administration too. <laughs> and so, so, uh, and that's mostly because Abbott and Cornyn have just been so tenacious and just raising hell constantly every day mm -hmm. to get the money and stuff. But, you know. How are the governments interacting here? I mean, you know, you've got the, you know, the regular setup for these kinds of things, you know, whether it's Katrina or Ike or, you know, this storm. Is there's always some tension between the federal and state governments. How, is the, how has this worked and how is this working state, county, local, school district, all of that stuff? Is that coordinated or does that need a lot of work too? You know, I get the impression that, I mean, the, the, the mayors that we've worked with has just been, I can't think of but one that hasn't been real easy to work with. And no, I'm not going to tell you who yeah, I was going to the next question. <laughs> but he's not <laughs> Name, in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the county judges and stuff. I mean, as long as you make sure you follow state law and what state law says, the mayors and the judges are in charge of this thing. What, the, what, what I do, what the governor does and everybody else does is what they ask you to do. For instance, when we got a lot of calls saying, hey, we, we got big mosquito problems and we need to spray for mosquitoes. Uh, governor Abbott calls up, gets, uh, I don't know, four or five C-130s outfitted with mosquito spraying equipment. Well, there were two or three counties that did not want those C-130s flying through and eradicating mosquitoes. And we literally, those planes stopped at the county line and started again after they passed that county. I mean, you cannot do anything. Other states don't follow that so closely, but, it, but here, right. if, a, if a mayor or county judge said, don't put that, don't do that in my city limit, we didn't do it. Even, uh, even when we used TxDOT trucks, which for the first time we used them to haul debris, right. there were cities and a, a few cities and a few counties that did not want the TxDOT trucks. They usually wound up in trouble with right. a lot more debris. Um, and eventually they said, yeah, maybe you ought to send me the textile truck. Yeah. But, but uh, if they didn't want it, it wasn't sent. That raises a question. You know, there's a, a persistent kind of story about storm chasers, about contractors who come to these things and say, we'll clear your debris for this much money or we'll rebuild roofs or we'll, you know, whatever it is. Have you run into much of that? Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the biggest area of fraud in, in any hurricane disaster is debris haulers. That's who goes to jail more than anybody else when it comes to So those to are the ones fraud. who get caught. Those are the ones that caught. Yeah. And we turned plenty of them in, and, and, and Ken Paxton has, has uh, oh, you know, investigated some of them and stuff like that. But we saw plenty of instances where debris haulers would tell a mayor or county judge, hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, if you don't let me charge a little bit more, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Florida and stuff like that. And what we did was we had this guy named Charlie Mancuso from Brazos County who was 
who knows just happens to know this stuff backwards and forwards. And so Charlie lined up three or four hundred debris haulers that he knew, and he was standing aside. And so people around the country what, just in Texas. Yeah, what we advised them, uh, you know, if they said we're going to go to Florida if you don't give us more money, we would say don't let the door hit your butt on the way out, leave, but don't come back. And then, and then Charlie would have hundred trucks in the mm -hmm. next day. Mm -hmm. But we had instances where a mayor or two said. They didn't want them. I mean, you understand. They don't want your trucks. They want the textile trucks. Because you understand, to a debris hauler, uh, every pile is money because they get paid by the money. And the last thing they want is a bunch of textile guys coming in right. and hauling their pile of money off uh, to, to somewhere else. And so right. the, you, you ran into that kind of resistance. And we just had, with the blessings of the mayor and judges, we just had, had to run over some of them. Have you seen that in other parts, in other other parts of the rebuilding effort? I mean, you know, you hear anecdotal stories about, you know, everything from roofers to plumbers to people building houses to not. It's not just the debris haulers. And is that a the but kind the, of thing that you're concerned with, or is that kind of outside your scope? I'm sure. I'm sure some of that happened. But 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 when it comes to roofers and stuff like that, since our side of the shop wasn't dealing in housing, and, and a lot of what you're talking about has to do with with private insurance. And right. keep in mind, in every disaster, private insurance is the big kahuna in this. I mean, that's where the big money is for this. The federal government pales in comparison. Have you had to interact much with private insurance? Uh, we, we did at first. We were getting a bunch of complaints at, at first and said something about it actually on a Tribune show. And there was a remarkable number of uh, you named some companies I thought I think you sang somebody's jingle on that yeah thing. well there was a remarkable number over that next two weeks after you all published that there was a remarkable number of, of policies that were paid and we got lots of letters from people but I think also that I, I think you also there'll be a report coming out soon and I, I think it will look bad from insurance company's point of view, but it's not bad. And, and let me tell you what it is. The report will come out soon, I think, that shows that, that more than 50% of the claims were, insurance claims were denied during Harvey. But the reason that, that is, so that's a bad headline, right? But the right. reason that happens is because FEMA requires you to be turned down for, by private insurance before they will cover you with their flood insurance. So the right? first step to getting FEMA coverage is to get turned down by your insurance company. That's right. And so even though you know that you don't have flood insurance, that right. you know your policy does not cover rising water, you have to apply knowing that you're going to get turned down so that you can come to FEMA. And right. So the, 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 the initial headline is going to look bad, but there's a reason behind it, and that is most of these people knowingly applied to FEMA, knowing they were going to get turned down, so um, I mean, to the insurance company, so that they could come and get the flood insurance from FEMA. Is that also going to have a statistic on how many of the people turned down by their insurance company have since or subsequently been taken care of? Yeah, I think that's in there somewhere. I'm right, not sure. that's the FEMA scorecard, right? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, what else have you run into? What else did you? Um, what else, if you were looking at this today, is still on your to-do list that you've got to? You've got this report to write, but but things on the ground that you have to do still. Are you getting toward the end? We have a whole task force of people working with mayors and county judges, flood control districts and folks like that, designing how the money is to be spent. 
in widening channels, straightening channels, right. uh, mitigating flood, whether or not to build reservoirs, all kinds of stuff like that. So there's a whole litany of things that will be presented as options to do it. And, and again, if it's in, if it's in uh, Aransas County, it doesn't happen unless that judge says it happens in Aransas County. Right. So, so at the end of the day, well, we can, our experts can say, here's what we think ought to happen. But if that judge or that mayor says, ain't gonna happen in my city, right. it doesn't happen in their city. Right, right. You've been in and around state finance for years, and I'm curious how you think this storm ripples through the state budget, both you know in a macro sense and in a Texas A&M sense. What are you going to be asking for? You know, try to make some of this stuff permanent. Are you going to try to keep this team in place for future storms or for ongoing disasters and things? Or I, I think they ought to keep this team in place under NIM Kid in some form or fashion. So not at Texas A&M. That's wherever right. wherever it is. I mean, you've already got the rescue at Texas A&M, so, right. I mean, but Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not sure it matters where it's at. Where it, what matters is that this whole bunch is together, that there is ongoing certification and training of everybody in 254 counties on how to deal with the federal government, how to deal with disasters, uh, how to you know, rescue not so much because they all know about that. I mean, every fire department, every volunteer fire department is already integrated into the rescue part of right. it. We just got to get the recovery part integrated. And frankly, no state does that because it's so fluid all the time uh, that, that they don't have it. But uh, but it'll have it'll have an effect on the on the next session state budget. Did you see how much did you see? in cleaning up things and in coming in after the storm, and I'm not looking for you to point the finger at anybody, that was basically human error. We built a house in a floodplain, or we did this, or we planned this wrong, and are you gonna make any recommendations about as we rebuild the big stuff, infrastructure and well, they're studying, zoning they're, and all they're of that? They're studying the floodplains. I mean, yes, there were a lot of houses in the floodplain. Some knowingly built in the floodplain, but a whole bunch of them, I would say most, that became in the floodplain after they built the house. I mean, when you've got a, a metropolitan area and you keep building north and you keep laying roads north and you keep making more, more concrete. concrete north, that stuff doesn't soak in very well into concrete and asphalt, and so it keeps right. running. And so the floodplain that was this wide all of a sudden is this wide and this wide. And that's what Sam Brody and his group are trying to figure out is what, what is the floodplain for insurance purposes and everything like that. Because it's very different than it was 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, particularly north of Houston. You can have something to say about that in your report or you can leave that to other folks. No, Sam will have that in his yeah. report, I'm yeah. sure. We had a conversation this morning with a bunch of legislators, and one of the things that came up in there and um, got some reaction out of the audience was uh, TWIA, Windstorm Insurance. Oh, you had yeah. Todd Hunter here. Good. Yeah, Todd Hunter was here. That's, <laughs> <laughs> see, he's good at this. He knows what, um, has that been a, an impediment to getting, this, getting people back on their feet and yeah. moving forward? And this was yeah. a fight when you were in the House, when you were just a baby legislator. I don't know. Yeah. What's the deal? I don't know. 
I don't know what to do with those guys. Are. I mean, it, it, you know, it, I mean, they biggest biggest round of complaints that we've had. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you take if you take just insurance complaints and you say, was it Twia? Who was it? I mean, Twia's particularly in this area is yeah. particularly around the eye because not not so much. Uh, in the east, obviously, but right. when you come through Aransas and you go into Refugio County, Victoria County, where it's more wind than flood, yeah, that's that's where the that's, that's that's where the problems are. But but Todd is an expert in that stuff, and I'm confident he'll have a list of recommendations on that deal next session. If the governor comes to you and says, "What could we put in?" This is the NIMKID question, a little bit refined. What would a permanent operation look like for, for relief? You, you know, you've got, the, you've got the fast response thing, as you said. If you were building a next time unit, you know, the, what happens in month three through month nine or whatever you want to call it? It would be, it would be an organization that takes the rescue operation that, is, that trains year round always up to speed, knows exactly what they're doing all the time in every rescue operation, and you would do that same thing for the recovery operation, mm -hmm. to where, those, where there is somebody in every city and somebody in every county that is current and certified on exactly how to do recovery operations so that the day after the hurricane hits, they know exactly who to call, exactly how to set up, set up telecommunications equipment, all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Under NIM Kid. <laughs> if you were, um, if you got a phone call and Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan wanted to know what the federal government should do in situations like this, what should they be building? Whether it's going to be in your report this year or not, what would you tell them they're good at? What would you tell them that they're bad at? And, and what would your recommendation be? I mean, how would you fix it? Good at would be a difficult question. Um, Not impressed at all. Why, you know, how do you answer the question? How does it? Why does it take you six months to write a set of rules? I mean, do you want to pay these people? Do you do you really want to participate in it, or is the real reason that you don't really believe in this at all? I mean, there's some folks think that OMB doesn't think we ought to be involved in this kind of stuff. Right. I've never heard him say it publicly, but but I think there are a number of people in Washington, D.C. that do not believe that the federal government ought to be paying for all this. It's just ought to be, if you didn't get insurance, then, you know, tough. If you, it ought to be purely a private deal and the, and the state do it. I don't think there's a state big enough to handle it, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the first question. And then the second question is, you know, are your bureaucracies just so totally incompetent that you cannot write a set of rules in a six or eight month period of time in order to get money flowing. I mean, what business could appropriate money in December and now not have a penny on the ground in any of the four states or, or, or three states in, in Puerto Rico uh, by now? And knowing that it's not gonna happen, and, and we probably figure it's not gonna happen for another five or five or six months. Yeah. So I, I don't know how you get that, but it, it, it obviously, Maybe it's administrator, but it, it has to do with either the bureaucracy is just so big that they don't, they just stumble around each other. It's not lean enough to is where that, they- Is that your sense of it, that the bureaucracy is too big? Yeah, that's, my sense is that generally when these kind of things happen, 
you got too many people working for you that don't that that are all trying to participate and it gets mucked up. Have you had any chance to talk to anybody upline, whether it was John Cornyn? I said muck. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> I heard, I thought of nothing else. Um, have you had a chance to talk to anybody upline, whether it's John Cornyn or Ted Cruz, and say, you know, here's what you need to do. Can you get this to move? And have you had any luck with that? I think when a Cornyn is, look, you ought to put a halo around Cornyn. I mean, from my point of view in dealing with him, uh, every, damn near everything Texas got is Cornyn just kept on him, kept on him, kept on him, kept on him. I mean, he's the godfather. He's the guardian angel. I don't know what else to say about him, but he... And I mean, any time, day or night, he was he was working on it and he was making sure it happened. I don't think he's got very much credit for it, but, but there is nobody other than Abbott who, and the two of them work so closely together to get this. I, mm -hmm. I mean, OMB's first recommendations about about Texas and the rest of this, Florida and the rest of it, uh, were horrible. And it was only because Cornyn, using his position, which is obviously a very good one in the right. Senate. Uh, you know, it didn't come out of the House very well, but when it got to the Senate, Cornyn is the guy that made it happen. I mean, he's a, he, he knows exactly what, what's going on, and he knows what's going on in these agencies, and he's as frustrated as everybody, I'm sure. So a lot of that's questions about how you troubleshoot this thing and who you call when you want to get something to move or get a log jam undone. If I'm a regular human being on the ground, or even if I'm a mayor or something, and I want to get something done now that you know what you know about how this disaster system works, who do you yell at first? I'm a, I'm a guy with a flat, wet house somewhere, and I need some attention. You yell at the mayor, the, yell, the mayor yells at me, and if it's a federal problem, we take it to governor and to Cornyn, we do, and we do that on a regular basis. What's a reasonable amount of time for that to take me? I mean, how long, how long am I going to have to do that before something starts to happen to my flat, wet house? Uh, some very fast. It depends it's on not really a housing question. Just as a, a general problem, if I've got a problem and I want to get, I need to kick and make some noise. We had people in Houston and here, quite frankly, that were complaining that there weren't enough, this was early on, that, what, that there weren't enough disaster recovery centers. Right. And... So people were saying, we had churches call and say, hey, that's so damn far from me. I don't, you know, I don't want to run a bus and have my prisoners go over there. I need some more disaster recovery centers. Well, the maximum ever allowed for a state is 27. No matter how big you are, 27 is the number of disaster recovery centers that you can have. Um, those calls started coming into our AgriLife people from preachers, from mayors, and folks like that. Mm -hmm. And... Over a weekend, Abbott was able to get that doubled, and that's never been done before. I mean, uh, mayors were complaining that they weren't getting, they didn't like the 75% 25 debris reverse deal. Right. Um, Abbott was able to get 90-10, and then the state picked up the, the whole of the 10 before it was out, yeah. so that none of them had to pick up that. I mean, that that was because of the response team there getting that information to Abbott who used Cornyn to, mm -hmm. uh, for almost everything. Mm -hmm. as we put lots of stuff like that. As we put together the long-term stuff, um, we get to the infrastructure problems, we get to the Army Corps problems, you know, are we going to build over there anymore? How are we going to, you know, um, handle the Houstons and things? 
Are there some things that Texas should be doing now or should be planning now in advance of the storm that's going to hit five or ten years from now? Never do this again, never do that again. And do you, and do you see any movement in... Well, that's what, I mean, that's what we're doing right now. I mean, that's that, what the recommendations that's, are. That's the whole plan, not only the rec those recommendations, but it's also the plan with how how to do drainage and stuff like that. I mean, right. what, I mean what, what Sam and his group are, are studying is why did this water flood this part of the deal when you've got a drainage ditch right here? Is the drainage ditch too crooked? Is, does it need to be straightened out? What makes it go into the Gulf of Mexico faster than it, right. than it did before? So all, right. all of that's big teams of people working on that right now. Yeah. Um, a year after this storm, when we get to September 1st, thereabouts, August 25th, I guess, um, what part of the state is still going to be in relatively worst shape from this storm? Uh, from this storm. Who's got, the, who's got the... Well, I mean, I think Aransas County, although it's made an amazing comeback because it was hit so hard, yeah. Aransas County is, you know, you have to say they suffered, in my opinion, more than anybody. Uh -huh. uh, because of the windstorm and they had different kind of debris. We had to do special stuff for their debris with, with fireboxes and burn the stuff and all kinds of stuff like that. And probably Port Arthur. Port Arthur is, is not up to speed. Uh, some of it is... And that was just getting, pure, that was almost pure flooding, wasn't it? That was flooding, but, but a little too late getting the tech stop folks in and stuff like that. And there, there were one of the last to get their debris picked up, but, but it, I mean, it's flooding. It's just, just 60 inches of water. But those two places, if I had to pick two, I would say those are the two we really concentrate on. Mm -hmm. Did you learn anything? I, I, you know, this has uh, come up peripherally in conversation from time to time. How much conversation was there with people rebuilding Texas and people who rebuilt Louisiana or Mississippi oh, or we had all the, of those kinds of places and what oh, went wrong and what FEMA, FEMA oh, do to you and oh all no, that kind of stuff? We had the, the guy from one of the first calls we made was the guy that uh, coordinated uh, with Don Powell. Remember Don mm -hmm. Powell was... For Amarillo Banker. He right. was up in D.C. Right. You know, during that period of time with, with uh, President Bush. And his guy on the ground lived with us for the first two months. I mean, he had an office right next to Billy's and Billy Hamilton, and he, and so he told us everything that he thought that they did wrong and what we ought to watch for and stuff like that. So, no, we were, we were in theirs right away. I mean, one of the things that he was, you know, they spent 70, $80 million, something like that, on a private company uh, to kind of sit with the mayors and the folks and- In their case. And we. We, we had plenty of people apply for that job, but we, <laughs> we did that with the extension service. Uh -huh. Let them do the same thing and worked as well or better, I think. Yeah, extension service gonna be the go-to for this in the future, you think? I, I, I don't know if any Were there other, NIM kids in the I, front I, of the Army or not? Yeah. yeah, I think NIM would say yes. I mean, I don't know of any other organization in state government that has the, that has the breadth of the a&M Extension Service. Because they're already out, out there and all over well, the place. they're in 250 of 254 counties right now. So, yeah. uh, And they know everybody. Their kids are in school in Aransas County along with the mayor and the county judge. And so they're, they're, they've got all kinds of interest in making sure it's cleaned up. Okay. okay. We have a microphone here and a microphone here. I'm uh, open for questions. Um, 
as you're as you're lining up or deciding whether to line up. Uh, I want to talk. We haven't talked about um, public health much. Uh, there's two issues in public health that I wanted to hit. One of them you you glanced off of was the mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious if we've had any. That's just an easy one, but I'm I'm curious if this storm has left behind any public health trails. Uh, we had a conversation earlier this morning about mental health after a storm like this. What happens when you've been staying at Comfort Inn for nine months to waiting for your house? Yeah, those are all relegated. I mean, those pieces are all with either TCEQ or they're right. with the health department or they're with HHS or, or in one instance, two or three medical schools uh-huh. within the medical center are looking at those things that will be part of the report. Do you have a sense of, yeah, you have a sense of how they're going? You know, I mean, obviously there was, you know, a heck of, heck of a lot of stress when you have to pick up kids and move them from one school district to another and then try to figure out whether you're coming back and whether right. you're going to have a job. Yeah, there, was, there, were, there were huge problems, and, and folks got lots of calls with, uh, in the medical profession, got lots of calls with regard, with regard to that. Yeah, okay. How yeah. you mitigate it is a different problem. Okay. One of the mitigation things they've talked about, I guess for a long time, is the, um, the Ike Dyke or the, the spine. This is the idea of some kind of a barrier in the, along the Gulf Coast mm-hmm. to stop surges and stuff. Has this storm moved that conversation at all? Yeah, it's a part of the 91 million, the initial beginning. You, think, of the you think they'll actually build something? Well, the initial, the, the beginnings of the study are, are part of the appropriation that came in December. There's a section of the Act Act that that's, uh, that's included in that. Okay, so we have the beginnings of a big, beautiful wall out there somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is, what else is uh, still pending? I mean, it sounds like um, in some ways your part of this is winding down. hope so. Uh, it sounds like you're almost out of business. Yeah, well, I mean... Perhaps the most important stuff is still out there, but, but our role is to make sure um, that, the, that all the studies are done and that, that we make a full report to the legislature. Well, I think what we've learned in this is you can't really always trust the federal government in this kind of stuff. I mean, people are always talking to you about, uh, well, to have a special session of the legislature and stuff like that. And, right. Anybody that knows anything about budgeting in the Texas legislature knows to get money, you don't have to have a special session, right? All you have to have is the budget board, lieutenant governor and speaker, and right. governor, and they can appropriate money from the second year of the biennium and put it into hurricanes or anything else that they want. And then when the legislature meets in January, you can reappropriate into the second year and fix right. the problem back then. So there's, I'm a little perplexed about all this stuff about I mean, you know enough about it, and I know enough about it to know that to spend money in Texas, you ain't got to have 150 House members and 31 senators. Right. You got to have three people. Right. And <clears throat> to get to get that done. Have they been able to do that? Well, the the truth is, we're already we've already spent two and a half billion of the rainy day fund. Right. If you should look at the DSNAP program, that's a billion dollars that was spent on disaster food. Right. That came out of HHS's budget. Now, do you think you're going to re, you're going to make they, HHS whole? Of course you will. They did it without they did it without the LBB. The governor just did it, right? Just did it. A billion and a half for for school districts. Uh, so here in 
Aransas County and, and parts of Nueces and several counties, lots of counties. Uh, kids had to leave their schools, they, so they go to, maybe Aransas kids go to Portland or wherever, and so the legis so really Patrick and, and, uh, and, and Strauss. Abbott and Abbott, Strauss yeah. said, okay, we're gonna pay the new school district ADA money that receives that kid, and we're gonna make sure that uh, Aransas County school districts didn't lose any money, and so yeah. you're keeping two school districts whole. That bill will probably be a billion and a half dollars. I made notes about this. Uh, TxDOT ran up a bill of probably 70 million. Just on debris. Just on debris. Uh, A&M ran up a bill of 12 million. <laughs> well, and there's a there's a question there. What do you, what's A&M? because of this storm going to be asking for come budget time? Uh, probably nothing, but... <laughs> Which is, it's just a talking point? <laughs> Your talking point. <laughs> but, but these other these big ones, I mean, right. you're, going to have to, you're going to have to reimburse them. So if you, if you do that, then right. you're into two and a half to $3 billion already. Well, where that's right. going to come from? It's going to come from the rainy day fund. I mean, what's the difference between the rainy day fund and the general revenue fund? Same thing. If you don't use one, you're going to use the other. Right. And so all the talk about, oh, you ought to use the rainy day fund, we done did. We're already using the rainy day fund right. for $2.5 right. bucks in this deal. The other thing that you have to be careful of with the feds is, and we in Florida and Louisiana have had these conversations ad nauseum, if you spend money, like, for instance, the $91 billion that has been appropriated. Right. If we go out and spend state money, let's say we spend $5 billion on this, what we get from the feds is, thank you very much. They're not going to reimburse you for that. That's $5 billion I don't have to pay. And so you, you better be very careful about How'd this work it. with Ike? One of the early reports right after Harvey happened was about Ike and what the t state's total expenditure was at that time. And these numbers are ballpark. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was the federal government had spent something on the order of $30 billion, and the state had spent $300 million. So you get this match like that. It doesn't sound like this storm's going to work that way. No, the, I mean... The, the, this is going to be a more expensive storm, both in oh. overall dollars, but also in what the state's share of it is. Well, if you look at the... I mean, the state's share, what... what what, what a lot of that I can read of stuff was, was, was debris match. In other words, back then it was a 25, 75% match. And so the state always, you know, reimbursed counties and cities for right. what they're paying their debris haulers and stuff like that. And that's not any, di not any different than what happens now. We, we reimburse the same thing yeah. here. Yeah. Except we only have to do 10% because Abbott went and got that done. Okay, but the state's going to be out more money this time. Bigger storm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, the biggest thing that's ever ever hit the place, and so it's, it's much, much bigger. But in order for us to get the 20 to 25 billion that we expect to get out of this 91 billion dollars, right. you know, we, we better be careful about when, when you pay. That's what's so exasperating about getting the federal money. In other words, Make sure you got the federal money in your state account before you go out and spend a whole bunch of money that they're going to say thank you very much and 
and uh, subtract it from your total and give it to Florida or give it to California. Okay, just to punctuate that, when do you think the 91 million is in the account? Do what? When do you think the 91 billion is actually in the account and you can do that? As soon as HUD writes the rules. No idea when that might be? Okay, I so mean, who do we kick for that it's, one? It's been that's, not, that's not the mayor we call. No, it's been eligible since December. Right. It was appropriated, appropriated by Congress in December. All right, so we're waiting on the feds. Right. Okay. Anybody got a question? Nobody? <laughs> Here we go. Chancellor, thanks for joining us. Chad Wilbanks up in Austin. And um, we've been working on a federal, we've been working on floods for a very long time. I'm curious to know in the report that you're putting together, will it include ideas about what needs to happen, such as the use of living shorelines or make sure we're infrastructure prepared and increase our standards uh, as part of the lessons learned from Hurricane Harvey? Yeah. My hearing is so bad I can't hear the microphone. Tell me what he said. The short version is are we going to have some standards on how to prepare for these rebuild operations? Are we going to build better and smarter through our infrastructure plans? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the whole purpose of the report is how do you... That's Army Corps too, isn't it? Huh? That's part of the Army Corps sure. thing, right? Oh, yeah. But I mean, particularly on, on, on anything right on the shorelines and stuff like that. But even if it were a tornado, it would do the same thing. I mean, the same thing is... You know, what, what do you do if this same storm came through again? How do you make sure there's less damage than it was the first time? I mean, that's the whole reason for what Sam's doing on flooding and what, what the, those huge task forces are doing for the rest of it. Well, great. Thank you. If you were doing this on a dollar basis instead of on, you know, if you were doing this on a dollar basis, a, a damage in Houston was much more expensive than it was in other parts of the state. Mm -hmm. arguably. Yeah. Um, so are they going to get a disproportionate amount of the recovery money when it starts to flow, first of all? And second, is that where that money is best spent? Or should we be doing other things to keep... I mean, if, if you had a dollar, is Houston the best place to spend it? Is 80 cents of it the best place to spend it? Well, it, it, it's probably easier to measure by people and the number of houses, right. in other words, right. yeah, Houston, yeah, Harris County is going to get a, a larger amount of the money than, than Aransas County is going to get. But when you compare per resident and things right. like that, is it going to be much different? And I suspect it's not going to be that much different. Are they going to, I mean, are people legitimately going to get shorted because Houston's in this thing? I mean, there's a question of, you know, Houston was in this storm and Houston's such a big place that Washington has to pay attention to it. But because Houston's in this storm, the places like Corpus or Port Aransas or Rockport don't get the attention they might because everybody's paying attention to Houston. Uh, we, we try to make sure that's not the case. And for instance, in the, when Houston uh, got their um, money for the, for the debris removal and stuff like that, the right. governor was very quick to come back and make sure same amount of money uh, was distributed to every single county, no matter how big, no matter how small, stuff like that. And so mm -hmm. we're real cognizant of that fact. Okay. Particularly since most of these counties were in the 18th Senatorial District. The 18th Senatorial District that you used to represent? Yeah. Yeah, that had a little to do with it? <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, one more here. 
Thank you, Chancellor. Uh, could you speak to the, uh, we talked about local, state, federal response to this storm. Could you speak to the impact of the private response to the storm and any lessons learned about the coordination and utilization of that private response? Of uh, whose response? The, the private response, the, the, yeah. the charities and, oh, and the other charities? organizations. Oh, yeah. my gosh. They've been great. I mean, they, we have, uh, we meet with them. Um, I think this is probably the first disaster where we meet with them on a pretty regular basis and talk about where they're dispensing money. And the reason that was important is because there was so much of it this time that people contributed to, uh, to various charities uh, <clears throat> that we didn't want the state or FEMA or others sending money to places that were duplicating what might be done uh, by the Greater Houston Foundation or by uh, anybody else. And so that's, that's why um, my staff, Billy and so many other of them, meet with those folks and or talk to them on a regular basis before they dispense money. And Reed Clay with the governor's office does the same thing uh, to make sure that we don't you know, we, we all hear the same stories. We all hear the same need. They, they, you know, somebody may go to the Joe Blow Foundation and then come to us and tell us the same thing. It's a great story. We want to do it. They want to do it. We just want to make sure we both don't send, send twice as much money as is needed to a place when it can go to someplace else. And so I, I think it's fair to say there's probably better coordination between the privates and what the governor's office and folks are doing on private charities than any other time. But they have been great, and they're an indispensable part of what this is about. Is there a, a decent distribution of charities toward, I, I know there's a lot of first response charity, you know, Red Cross, things like that. Is there a decent distribution of charity and charitable help on this stuff in the longer term or in the medium term? Yeah, there is. I mean, there are people that obviously have an interest in one particular county or one state or something like that. Right. For instance, uh, the mayor here in Rockport will tell you the Bass family has a special affinity for uh, for Aransas County and Rockport, and they don't mind making sure that it write a check that everybody knows it and that they <clears throat> write checks. Have people here, hire folks to put here and stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously, the same is true in Houston and other places as well. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Um, again, on the private philanthropy side, it seems like Houston had a better coordinated effort in combining private foundations to work towards the recovery and the initial part, getting their dollars dispersed faster. But what about the rest of the coastal bend? Did they kind of have the same response from private foundations? So did you see the same level of coordination between private foundations and government response elsewhere that you saw in Houston? That yeah, there's just more money in Houston. I mean, that's just the bottom line. There's just a lot of, you know, there's just a lot more money in Houston. But I think folks from Dell Foundation and so many others were 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 not Houston centric, and were very concerned about the rest of it. And so, in in virtually every one of these meetings, you hear people talk about, hey, let's, you know, what what is the problem in Refugio? Is there something special there that we're missing that we haven't heard about in the papers and stuff like that? And you see all this kind of stuff. Now, Houston's a, just a different breed of cat. I mean, if you go into their disaster recovery center, it looks like NASA. I mean, you know, I mean, they got 
they got their stuff together when it comes to that because they've got the financial resources to, to put that stuff together. So they hit the ground running faster than anybody in the state probably. Okay, great. So if you were closing this uh, for the moment, um, what'd you learn in the last eight months? I mean, you got, you know, Abbott picks up the phone, calls you, says, hello, former neighbor, take on this mess. Um, what do you know now that you didn't know then? Well, first, don't answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I mean, I, I, what I learned is that we have an almost, un, I'm, I'm very proud of my Aggie folks that run the rescue operations. Nobody in the state knows they run the rescue operations because they won't ever send out a damn press release because they think that that's not couth for those guys to do it. I'm working on them. But, <laughs> Um, but, but we don't have that for the response side. We have lots of folks that are willing and stuff like that. And after a while, it all kicked in and, and worked good, yeah. speaking of our side. Um, but we, next time, we don't want to take a month to figure it all out and have everybody. We, we've got to have, we have to have somebody in every one of those cities and every one of those counties and the state level that does this full-time, certifies people full-time so that when the disaster hits, uh, the, re the response starts as soon as the recovery is over with. Okay, well, good luck with it. John Sharp, give him a hand. Thanks.